Good morning and welcome to Second Baptist. I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here with us this morning as we continue our series, Love Does. Last week we talked about love does forgiveness, and this week we're going to talk about the idea that love does service, that we literally wash the feet of one another, and what a humbling experience that is to wash the feet of someone else. During a time like this, this idea of serving may look like taking groceries to someone else. It may look like taking a meal to someone or maybe even just doing something as simple as making a phone call. I do remember a few times in our life where friends and others have served our family. One time in particular, a friend even put a brand new tire on a truck for us. Sometimes people would bring meals to us when we were sick or provide rides for our kids whenever we were both too busy doing other things that we couldn't get our kids to practice or to games, or even offered babysitting. There's nothing greater than someone serving you through free babysitting, right? And so those kind of things that people do for you is that, that idea of serving. And, and this thing of serving means that, and many times, it means that it's inconvenient for us as well, that we kind of go beyond what, what is the norm and it's inconvenient to serve someone else. So what does it look like? to be inconvenienced in a way to serve others. We as a family had the ability, we had a basement for quite a few years, and we had the ability to serve families over the years through this gift called a basement. We opened it up, and several families lived with us for for a long period of time or to help them out in different ways. And so um, it was chaos in our house, but we loved it, and we even still today, we talk about the opportunities that we had as a family to, uh, to serve others through the gift of a third floor, through the basement, and see what God was able to do that. One of the jobs that I had in college actually was one of a server, and uh, waiting on people, and uh, taking their orders and drinks and all that. And listen, if you want to get to know people, become a waiter or a waitress. You'll get to know their heart really well, and one of the generosity of their tips, and then also of how they treat you. Um, it's amazing how people treat their servers, and so um, that, that really opened up my eyes to people's mindsets on how we, in some way or another, we put ourselves above other people because they're waiting on us or they're serving us. I also had the opportunity to serve a, a, a age group or a demographic, the, the mentally um, disabled, and um, was able to serve them in college as well. And I tell you that the most difficult work that I've ever done in my life, but also the most rewarding work that I've ever done, to literally serve those and to, to put myself in opportunities that were humbling to me, but to serve someone else. And if you've ever changed an adult person's diaper, that will humble you and change you forever. And so those opportunities and those things uh, through life have shown me this idea of what does it look like to serve someone else? And the idea of it's many times it's inconvenient and also it humbles us. It changes our posture from one from being here to literally being able to at the feet of someone else to wash their feet. So this morning, that's what I want us to think about is this idea of love serving. Sometimes it's the hardest thing you can possibly do, but when God puts it upon your heart and asks you to do it, to respond to it is the most beautiful thing and the, and the best thing that you can ever experience. I don't know about you, but I have a difficulty accepting gifts. Now, at Christmas time, that's a great time. But when someone gives you a gift and you don't expect it, it's difficult to receive it. 
And so this is one of the things that I think Jesus in our story that we're about to see here in John chapter 13 is that his disciples were, were set up and they were prepared for a meal and, and they, they didn't understand exactly what was going on. And Jesus in the midst of this meal gets up and begins to serve them. And so we see the response of some of the disciples. And I don't know about you, but I see in Peter and some of these others this mindset of it's difficult to receive a gift sometimes, especially when it catches us off guard. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 13 and verses 1 through 17. And so here Jesus is. It's the last of his life. It's the last of his ministry. And he knows this and understands it. He knows that he's coming to the end of his time. And so it's right before the Passover meal, before the Passover celebration. So there's a lot of people coming into town. And Jesus and his disciples have set aside and a friend has provided a house, an upper room, for them to have their final meal together. Now, Jesus knows it's the final meal, but none of the disciples know that it's their final meal. So jump in with me, if you would, in John chapter 13, starting at verse 1. It says this, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. Now catch this. And now he loved them to the very end. So the very first thing that I want you to grasp this morning is this, is that love serves and it does not quit. It goes to the very end. Jesus knew that this was the end of his ministry. Jesus knew that he could have easily walked away because it was the end of his end of his time. But he chose to love even to the very end. Jesus knows that his death is imminent. Jesus knows that his disciples are about to betray him and about to abandon him. But... Even in the midst of this, he could have quit. His love goes on. So the first thing is this. Love serves. It does not quit. Or maybe another way to say it is this. is Love is an attitude that leads to action. Love is an attitude that leads us to action. That, that yes, it would be convenient to quit. Yes, we may have more information, but we still choose to love. When we truly love, it leads us to action. And here Jesus knowing the circumstances, knowing what's happened, still chooses to love the people around him. The other thing that I want you to see as you continue on in verse verse 2 is that love not only serves and doesn't quit, but love serves and it doesn't claim any rights for itself. Look at verse 2. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robe and wrapped a cloth around his waist. Now in this moment, Jesus had all authority. He knew everything. He had full knowledge of what was about to come. He had full knowledge of the fact that his life was about to end and that he was about to be back at the right hand of the Father. And one, he chose to love them to the very end. But then also this action of love, or this love led him to the action of taking off of his robe, the thing that designated who he was, and he put on the clothes, basically, of a slave. So he took off, he had all authority and all rights and all privileges as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he knew that he was about to be the sacrifice for all men and to sit at the right hand of the Father, and he chooses to disrobe himself of all of that and to take on the clothing of a slave. It's powerful stuff. Look at the next verse. And then he poured water into a basin 
Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and then drying them with a towel he had around him. Love serves. It leads us into action and it just robes us of the, any rights that we could claim for ourselves. Now here's the interesting thing is that Jesus' disciples could have done this very thing. They could have washed each other's feet, but they walked, walked past the wash basin that would have been at the front door to wash your feet. And so they walked past it. And why, why would they walk past it? Because I think they had this attitude of, that's not my job. I'm above this task. So it was not common for others that were equal, that they were peers, to wash the feet of one another. Because it wasn't their place. That they had risen to another place based upon they were men because they were Jewish or whatever. And so they were raised to another place and they thought, someone else, this is someone else's job. They saw an opportunity to serve. They knew that there was an opportunity to serve, but they walked past it. It was below them. They were, even this, imagine this, they're gathered there together to eat dinner. And this is the famous picture that we've all seen where Jesus and his disciples gathered on one side of the table to take a big selfie. And so they're all there together and they're taking this. And so they're all leaning on their left side prepared to eat. And so this is the scene is that Jesus and his disciples are up there, they're prepared to eat, they're all leaning on their side, they're ready for food, and so it even talks about the idea that no one's even ready to serve anyone else, they're waiting to be served. And then even in the midst of this, if you look at Luke chapter 22, verse 24, it even says, as they're sitting there and they're waiting to be served, a discussion breaks out, maybe even better, an argument breaks out about who among them is even the greatest. So here are these disciples, they've walked past the wash basin, they've walked past an opportunity to serve one another, they've walked past an opportunity, even this, to serve their master, their rabbi, Jesus. None of them washed Jesus' feet, which would have been natural for them to do. And then they're gathered around, they're leaning there, and they're waiting for someone to serve them food, and they're leaning there, and they begin to have a discussion. Hey, are you better than me? No, I think I'm better than you. And so this is the scene of Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And I'm sure that Jesus is going, what have I been doing with these guys for the last three and a half years? And this is our last moment together, and they're worried about who's the greatest among us. And here's the deal. In the midst of this, Jesus knew that he had all authority in heaven and on earth. He was and is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he knew his rightful place, what was his. And he takes off those robes and dons the clothes of a slave and does the very thing that everyone else in the room should have been doing for him. That that's Jesus' last action for his disciples. Of all the things that Jesus could have said, of all the things that Jesus could have done after three and a half years with these guys, he puts himself lower than them and serves them and washes literally the crap off of their feet. For you see, these guys have been walking around barefooted and in sandals, and they're walking where the animals have been walking. Their dust is kicking up everywhere. And so they're sitting at the table waiting to be served with dirty feet. And Jesus, the one who is the highest place in the gathering, dons the clothing of a slave and begins to wash the crap off of those guys' feet and says, listen, this is what love looks like is that you think that you're in a place of honor. You think that you're in a place where others should serve you. But if you truly are a follower of me, this is the model that I'm setting for you, is you set aside all of your rights, 
all of your privileges, all the things that you think that you've earned, you set all of them aside to serve one, to wash the feet. There is no lower job, there is no lower task within the household than to wash the feet of those that have come into the house. And Jesus says, none of us, even the King of Kings, is above getting on your knees and washing the feet of those who've entered into your house. Love does not only quit, but love doesn't claim rights, even that are rightfully theirs. Jesus had all authority, and he had the position, and he surrenders them to serve others. We believe we have rights, and when these rights are offended, we have a tendency to quit things. We have a tendency to pout or to throw a little pity party. Sometimes we're called to another church, and there's different things that we do because our rights are offended. And instead of serving, our rights are offended, and we go out and do other things to draw attention to ourselves, to show that our rights have been offended. Instead of getting on our knees and saying, this is an opportunity for me to serve and to be humble. Even if you look at Philippians chapter 2, Paul describes this in, in great detail. He basically says this, that that Jesus didn't see clinging to his godship and his rights of being God as something to cling to. As a matter of fact, he releases them. He gave up the divine privileges to become like a slave. Beautiful stuff. Listen, you've been around church for a little bit. You've grown up in church, and maybe you know the Bible. You've got it inside and out, and you think that you don't have to do certain things. Listen, this is what transformation is. When God gets a hold of our heart, we begin to weep over things that we never thought we could weep over. We're moved by things that we never thought we could move, be moved by before. And that's only because God has transformed our heart. And although we may have the rights and privileges way up here, that what God has called us to is not to claim those rights, but to set them aside so that we can serve and literally get the crap off of other people's feet. That is what the church is. That's our calling. It's to get in the mess with other people and to literally say, how can I serve you? How can I help you? You have stuff on your feet. You've been walking amongst the mess. You've been walking amongst the mire. I need to help you. I need to wash your feet. That's what it looks like. Love does. Love moves us into action. And it doesn't quit. It doesn't claim rights. It just does. What are the things, what are the rights that you naturally and instinctively hold on to? What are the things that you think that you've gotten? Maybe it's your education, maybe it's your socioeconomic status, whatever it may be. What are the things that you are your rights that keeps you from serving someone else that's in a lower position, so to speak, than you? What keeps you from washing their feet? Love is an attitude that leads to action. Continue on, look down at verse 6. Here Jesus kind of gets into an interesting discussion with Peter because as Peter begins to realize what's happening, Jesus is working his way around the circle and he's washing the feet and he's drying him. He's washing the feet and he's drying them. And, And I imagine that every time that Jesus 
is, is encountering one of the disciples, he says something specifically to them, that he, he tells them, one, that he loves them, that he cares for them, and he gives them a word of encouragement. I, I just imagine that that's Jesus' heart in this last moment, that, that he knows this is the end, and so he's intentionally washing the feet of each one of his disciples, and he's offering a word of encouragement to them, a word to challenge them uh, uh, to be who they are and to, to experience what's about to take place. He's preparing their hearts and minds for what's about to place. And so it gets to right around to Simon Peter. And, and Simon Peter's a very vocal guy. And so Simon Peter, in the midst of this, says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but, but someday you will. And then Peter, being the boisterous one, says, no, uh-uh, no, 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 no. You will never, ever wash my feet. Because you see, in this moment, Peter, I imagine that there's some guilt, there's some, some recognition of the fact that Peter and others, they should have been the ones to wash the feet of the rabbi, that they should have been the ones to wash the feet of Jesus. And so now as he's listening to these words of encouragement, and now it gets around to Peter, he's the overwhelming sense of, I should be the one doing this. I should be the one washing the feet of Jesus and of others. And Peter says, you will never, ever wash my feet. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Now, interestingly, that's an interesting statement because it's a statement of salvation. It's a statement here in the midst of this discussion that Peter is talking with Jesus and Jesus claims to him, hey, listen, if you don't allow me to wash you through forgiveness of your sins, through what's about to happen on the cross, unless you allow me to wash you, you will not experience true cleaning and salvation. You won't belong to me. Then look at verse 9. So Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Again, Peter doesn't quite understand what's happening yet. He, he'll be able to look back and see it. And then here's Jesus' response to Peter in verse 10. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. Now that first word, bathe, is, is a completed action. And so what Jesus is saying here to us is, Hey, you've been bathed. It's salvation. It's once and it's done. That that one time that you're bathed, that one time that you proclaim, hey, I need Jesus, I need the cleansing blood, I need the cleansingness of Jesus and what he did on the cross. In that moment, that's a once and done thing. So you don't have to continually do it. Now the next thing, he says, you're bathed, but now you get to get washed. And so there was a ceremony in Jesus' day that as people were going to feasts or people were going to parties or gatherings at people's house, obviously they would shower up like we do today. You get all showered up, you put on your good duds, and and uh, you put on your smell-good sauce, and you, you get to the place because you want to present your best. But along the way, along the path, you've gotten your feet dirty. Your feet are now dirty. You're still the rest of your body's clean, but your feet are dirty. And so Jesus is drawing upon this illustration. He says, listen, you've gotten cleaned up. You're washed up for the feast. You're washed up for the festival. You're washed up to come into the Father's house. However, someone still needs to wash your feet. And so in those days, in Jesus' days, they would literally have an entry washing ceremony. And the hosts would offer this person entering into the house, that this was their ticket in, is that you would have a slave wash your feet, and once your feet were washed, then you entered into the house, and you were fully welcome, and, and the party kind of really started for you 
at that moment. And so Jesus is drawing upon this illustration and saying, listen, you will once be washed. And I'm the one that does the washing. And when you're washed, you're clean. You're made perfect. You're made complete. It's a once and done thing. But for the rest of your life, life will happen. Along the journey of life, your feet are going to get dirty. And as you begin to walk, there are going to be people in your life that are going to have to stop you and invest in you and to invite you into relationship with them. And that the way that that happens is there's an entry washing and you wash one another's feet. This is, again, kind of a pulling back of the curtain of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, is that we do life and faith and community. It's not an individual thing, but it's a community thing. And so in community, as we get to know one another and do life with one another, we invite other people to literally wash our feet as we wash theirs. As a matter of fact, James chapter 5, verse 16 says it this way, Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. That one of the things that we do in community together as followers of Jesus, when we meet together and wash each other's feet and we hear each other's mess of life and the dung that we've walked through or are walking in, we're washing each other's feet. Why? So that we can see the areas that need to be healed. That's the beauty of community together. That's authentic that sometimes we want to hide our stuff that needs to be healed, but the cleansing of our feet, the, the posture that it takes for someone to wash our feet is a humbling experience. I know some of you love getting pedicures. I've had a pedicure one time, and uh, I don't know that I'll ever get another pedicure. The, the one time that I went to go get a pedicure, several things happened. Number one, as they began to work on my feet, I was literally, I could not stop laughing. I just... I'm really ticklish, and so I was just laughing so hard they couldn't do anything. And then the other part about it was they put you in this little thing, and it's going. you got your feet soaking and all that kind of stuff, and they put you in this massage chair from the Lord. I mean, it was like on the eighth day, God created the pedicure massage chair. And so I was in it, and I just got so relaxed that all of a sudden I wake up, and I hear people around me laughing, including my wife, And they're laughing because I have fallen asleep and I've literally slid down into the thing and I'm about to be sitting in the little pedicure tub with my feet. And so uh, it was a relaxing thing, but it was a humbling thing to have someone take your feet and begin to work on them. And this is the idea of community together. As someone literally takes your feet, something we normally hide from people, and they're working on them and they get to know you and they can see the places that you walk. They can see the calluses, they can see the marks, they can see the scars, all those different things. But in the midst of that, there is, uh, there, there is healing that happens in that. Look over also in 1 John 1, 9, it says, Confess our sins to him, for he is faithful and just to forgive, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Again, this is this continual thing of we've had a bath, we're clean, But as we do life, our feet continually need to be cleaned. Who are you doing authentic life with? Who in your life can wash your feet? Who do you trust to wash your feet and to see the mess and the mire and the muck that you've walked through and the places that you need healing? Authentic life. Love is an attitude that leads to action. If we truly love other people, we'll wash the feet of others and we'll allow others to wash our feet as well. Finally, I also want you to see this, that that love serves. He is 
our model. Look at the last verses here. It says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. He's, he's reminding them of his, of his rights. He's reminding them of his position. And since I am your Lord and teacher and I've washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet as well. I've given you an example to follow and do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are no greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you see these things, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Love serves. It's our model. If we proclaim to be followers of Jesus, then one of the things that will be characteristic of us in the way that we love is that we are willing to humble ourselves and to serve anyone and everyone. If we see a need and it breaks our heart, that we respond to it. And that's the heart transformation. That as we begin to have our heart transformed by Jesus, our eyes are changed and our response to the things that we see around us, we're able to do it. But here's the deal. We naturally jockey for position. We jockey for a platform. We're moving so that we can have more followers. That's our natural bent is that we're wanting to place ourselves at this higher place. We're so consumed with this idea of what's in it for me that we lose the factor of it's not about me, it's about others, and it's about him. We surrender our rights and our privileges. So maybe the thing for us is begin to ask this and make this our prayer request as we kind of leave out in the day. As you get into your car, as you go to work or you go to school or whatever, and you see something, ask yourself this question. Dear Jesus, is this an assignment that you have for me, that something begins to, to burden your heart, an opportunity to serve. God, is this my assignment? Is it something that you're asking me for me to do? So if you see a need and you can meet it, then respond. God, is this an assignment for me? Are you, you're putting it in front of me. I'm seeing a need and I can meet it, so therefore I'm going to respond. That's what it means to wash feet. Because here's the deal, as we become followers and grow in our walk with Jesus and walk in the dust of our rabbi, serving is not what I do, it's who I am. The more that we look and act and think and talk like Jesus, serving isn't something that I do, it is who I am. It becomes a natural instinct for us to wash the feet of other people because love does. Love leads to action. We remove ourselves of our rights. We remove ourselves of the opportunity of other things so that we can serve others and to wash the crap off of other people's feet. Love is an attitude that leads us to action. So this week, I want you to think about several things that you can possibly do in response to this. One is on our website, there's a spiritual gifts assessment. You can go to our website, sblg.org, and, and pull up resources, and there's some resources on there. And one of those resources is a spiritual gift assessment. So as you take that, hopefully you begin to see that God has uniquely created you to serve in some different ways. And so whether that's in the church community here or in the community at large, then you'll realize and recognize maybe for the first time a passion and, and the gifts and talents that God has given you for specific things. Also, consider how you can serve here and now right through second and, and the opportunities in the future that you're going to have as we gather back together in the next few weeks. And then also maybe finally is this, is ask this question. God, show me whose feet do I need to wash? 
Dear Jesus, whose feet do I need to wash? In other words, who do I need to begin to pursue to have a deep, authentic relationship with that we can confess our sins one to another and wash one another's feet so that we can walk with healing and no victory in our life? And the only way that can happen is if we humble ourselves and sit and let someone else wash our feet, and that we also as well get on our knees and wash the feet of someone else. There's no experience in having your feet washed to receive that gift. And also no more humbling experience to get on your knees and to wash the feet of someone else and to see and to know the muck and the mire that they're walking in. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, we know that love does. And that our model of love is your Son, Jesus Christ. And that, Father, that he gave up his rights, his divine rights and privileges to literally become a slave, to become obedient unto death on the cross. That he surrendered everything so that we could have life and life to the full. Father, I pray this this morning that as we think through these things, Lord, that you would just check our hearts. And in those moments where we think that we are claiming our own rights and our privileges, Father, may you just lower us. May you allow us to see ourselves in these privileges, these credentials, this money that we make, whatever it is that, we, that we've attained. Father, may we set them aside. And Father, I pray that we would also begin to find people to do deep, authentic life with people that can truly sit with us, wash our feet, and can know us and know the places that we've walked and know the places that we're currently walking so that, Father, that maybe our paths would be straighter in the future, but because of deep, authentic life together. Lord, challenge us. Love not only forgives, but love serves. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.